It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. What's up, everybody? It's Talk LP Podcast time, your favorite time of the week. It's Amber Bradley, your host. Super stoked to welcome Mike Mata, Director of Cybersecurity and Loss Prevention for Worldwide Golf. What is up? Hey, how are you, Amber? It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, man. Great to have you. Okay, so we were just talking off camera and I was like, wait, we got to hit record because this is a phenomenal point. <laughs> um, we were just talking about how you have cybersecurity responsibilities. And I was like, I didn't know that. Like, tell me about how, when you got them, how that came about. Because I do think there's lots of our audience out there that says, should I be doing that? Should I dip my toe in that water? And if so, like how? Sure, sure. I'd love to answer that question. Um, it's probably one of the, the biggest achievements in, in my, my 22 year career was uh, getting into cybersecurity. And, and what made me decide to get into it and ultimately pursue a degree in it um, was because a few years ago, I started to recognize that at some point in time, the lines between cybersecurity and loss prevention were going to be much more blurred than they already are. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, in the retail space, if you look at what loss prevention does and you were to just say, what is our one singular focus, okay? What is everything that we do contribute to? And it's to, to the protection of the assets of the company, right? I mean, heck, it's embedded in a Wicklander interview, right? I'm here to protect the assets of the company. That's what we do. Um, well, with cybersecurity, they do the same thing. And the question is, where do digital assets start and begin? And where do physical assets start and begin? You know, we're essentially doing the same thing, but on both sides, there are bad actors, whether it be in loss prevention with organized retail crime, uh, internal theft threats, or cybersecurity with hackers and and uh, and some of the the uh, the criminal bad actors out there. Um, they're there to act. They're all there to attack assets, right? So I figured at some point in time, um, these two professions, both cybersecurity and loss prevention, are going to have to come together. That just makes sense. That's the next. To me, that was the next logical step. And I wanted to be on the forefront of that. So what I did was I enrolled into a uh, Bachelor um, of Science program with the University of Maryland's uh, global campus. And um, I earned a degree in cybersecurity, specifically cybersecurity uh, policy and management. That's what I did. I didn't really get into it uh, to get into the nuts and bolts. I know enough from a technological standpoint uh, to be able to recognize threats, to be able to mitigate threats. But really, my degree was, was geared more towards kind of being that uh, stopgap between senior management and the cybersecurity team, essentially to, to manage uh, security operations um, team and, and you know, make the right hires and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's quite a commitment. You know, when you think about, you know, people are like, oh, man, you know, you think about going to school, going back to school. It's like, man. But so so fast forward, I guess, you know, you got the degree. I mean, um, was it a foregone conclusion that you would have that in your realm of responsibilities if you said, hey, look, 
did you have to, I guess my question is, did you have to say, hey, executives, I want this in my bucket and here's what I'm willing to do to go do that? Or did it come after the degree? I'm just curious because the audience out there, they might be like, hmm, maybe I should do that. I wonder what the process was like. Well, for us, um, <clears throat> I'm going to plug my CEO's name here, uh, Al Morris, um, CEO of Worldwide Golf. Um, he was very supportive from the get-go. You know, I had told him that I was pursuing a degree in cybersecurity because I believe the, the organization needed a chief cybersecurity person. And at the time, we had already started to experience um, realized threats, you know, or our, I'm not going to go into details, um, but, you know, we started seeing some, some threats and attacks that cost us financially. You know, I mean, like I said earlier, the protection of assets, well, these assets were hitting, you know, uh, some of our accounts that are attached to our finances, boom, you know, who investigates losses to, who investigates credit card fraud, who investigates attacks on PayPal accounts that, 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 uh, that are ours. I mean, it's loss prevention, right? But the avenue through which those assets were attacked, okay, came through cyber. Well, so I figured, you know what, this is the perfect time for me to pitch it. So yeah. um, I started going to school first when I started recognizing some of those threats. And then um, shortly thereafter, I'd mentioned it to him. And I told him, I said, I want to start a cybersecurity program here. Make me the director of cybersecurity. He agreed. And nice. I'm still doing it. And I, I graduated in uh, 2018. So I've had my degree now for... Um, Wow, I can't believe it's going on three years. Um, and it's been great. I mean, to all of the, the loss prevention uh, executives out there who are thinking about getting into loss prevention, or who are thinking about getting into cybersecurity, all I can say is go for it because if we can say that our network, right, as, as loss prevention executives um, is a great tool, by getting into this whole new field, now you've got this whole other network. You know, now you've got these 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 two big baskets of of information that you can draw from, and 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 great people. You know, in both um, professions that you can uh, you can leverage to help you get the job done and learn from. Yeah, that's a great point because you think about it. Like people might be like, oh. I don't have a career in that, right? I don't, I would never, I would never be able to get to the level of having some kind of cyber expertise. But your point is a really good one because it's like, look, you can get your education in it, know about it, but even doing those things opens up, like you're saying, a whole different world of people you can call, right? You might not be an expert at ORC or an expert at interviewing, but you still have those buckets of people that you know are experts. Now you're just adding a whole nother layer. And I'll be honest, it's kind of nice uh, being able to do both because with either, you know, in loss prevention or in, um, in cybersecurity, sometimes you're the coolest guy on the block. Um, because I'll give you an example. With you're already the coolest guy on the block, Mike. <laughs> Come on, man. When, you know, like if I'm working with another company on a cyber threat, right. Or I'm talking to a you know, a retail neighbor about a certain cyber threat, just like we do an LP, you know, we, we talk, hey, have you guys experienced this yet? You know, there's this crew that's hitting us in Salt Lake City, you know? Well, 
in cybersecurity, you kind of do the same thing. You openly talk about threats with some of your partners. There's a whole other, you know, network out there. We share some of the common threats, you know, and, and we prepare ourselves, our infrastructure, our technological infrastructure to deal with those threats. Well, there are times where I'll give you an example. We dealt with a gift card fraud issue whose, um, whose origins were from the cyber realm. Okay. In short, so you know, if 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 a if a bad actor could um, capture one gift card number, okay, and through attrition they can go through all the subsequent gift card numbers after that one, and go through a balance check system. Okay, theoretically, they're going to find one with a balance. The problem is, in the past, um, before uh, balance check systems were automated you had to call for a balance check, right? Right, yeah. And you call for a balance check. That could take, if someone had to go through, let's just say 100,000 uh, gift card numbers and physically call to get a balance check on those gift card numbers, well, that would take years, <laughs> okay? But because some of these bad actors have figured out that they could employ bots or botnets to do the work for them, because that's what a bot does. It does the mundane human tasks. Um, that would take us years to do, bots can cover those calls in a second, okay? So what they did was they would flood our balance check system with hundreds of thousands of, of gift card numbers. And from that, they were able to obtain legitimate gift card numbers with balances on them. They would pirate those numbers and use them online, okay? So I was able to get with, uh, with other uh, cybersecurity professionals and I was able to lend some of the, the street reality to these things, you know, for example, okay, well, at some point, we're probably going to see some people in stores with fraudulent gift cards, um, or, or, you know, uh, counterfeit gift card numbers. Uh, these are all pirated, and I would kind of give them the human side of things. Well, a lot of times you have to remember a lot of cybersecurity professionals, they came from the IT side. So when they look at a cyber threat, they see it and, and I, to my cybersecurity um, uh, peers out there, I'm not, I'm not trying to insult you, but you know, a lot of them came from a purely technical uh, uh, career. I think a lot of times they forget about that criminal element. They focus, yeah. a cyber attack was just that, it was attack on cyber. Um, it's like the ones and zeros. It's the not- The ones and zeros, yeah. thank you. It's yeah, now you've exactly. got- somebody that's a bad actor that's probably a little jumpy in your store and now you're dealing with a safety issue uh -huh. and uh -huh. that's what you your experience brings to the table absolutely and and within that um that whole you know gift card attack thankfully we we're able to recognize it right away um and it was really you know funny how we were my street experience working in loss prevention i'm going to call it street for lack of a better term but um, you know, what I did was I asked one of my employees here at the corporate office, or actually our, our uh, LP investigator, I asked her to look up the, uh, the balance check log. And I said, just on a hunch, how many balance checks did we see? And what was the time frame of these balance checks? Are we talking minutes, hours, seconds? She goes, oh my goodness. She looks and she says, there's no way a person could have done this because we're talking seconds. You know, like um, a thousand calls within a second. You know, I'm just throwing that number out there, but it yeah. was impossible. My point is, it was impossible, impossible for a human yeah. being to do that. 
And this all kind of happened uh, when I was uh, first getting into cybersecurity, you know, like right before I mentioned uh, the, uh, the idea to my CEO. And um, yeah, no, that was, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of like perfect timing, like bad though, because yeah, you're like getting attacked, no. but also a little good on the personal side that you can be like, see, this yeah, is what I, I can just, do. And I had just taken a class. This was probably within the first year, I think it was, that I was taking my cybersecurity courses. I had just taken a class on on uh, on uh, botnets, you know? So oh, you're I kidding. just learned about it. And I, yeah, it was perfect timing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that everything you're sharing is such a great introduction for our listeners to kind of think about, you know, because we hear that all the time, like invite yourself to the meeting, get in the conversations, you need to know about it. But, you know, your experience that you're sharing is really like, no, no, this is what I did. This is what happened. These are the things I learned. And this is how I'm, I'm proving my value in both of these spaces, which is really cool. Sure. Sure. I mean, if I were to use just like a really simple um, scenario, okay, to boil it down for, for all of my LP peers out there. <laughs> if your company experiences a cyber attack on your inventory system, right? And then all of a sudden your inventory system is all out of whack. You better believe your CEO or your chief of operations is going to come talking to you about why we're showing up shorter over in certain items. There needs to be an investigation. That's my yeah. point. Um, and if, they, if their answer is, nah, that's cyber. Like yeah. that's not going to go over well. I didn't want to, <laughs> I never wanted to be in that position. Yeah. I wanted to be able to have answers for everything or at least have the tools to find the answers. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, your career spans, I mean, I would say retail, specialty retail, right? I mean, and then now you're, um, at Worldwide Golf, which has lots of umbrellas, like sub sub brands to it. So speak about that a little bit, you know, um, first, if I'm right, that it, it is a lot of specialty retail and retail, um, and then how that transitioned into, you know, the Worldwide Golf part, you know, because you're, everyone thinks you're playing golf all day, Mike, that's the facts. <laughs> I am a terrible golfer. So yeah, the, the truth is actually the opposite of that. You know, um, I started playing golf uh, when I started here six years ago and, uh, yeah, I'm still, still strong. It's a tough game. I mean, you really have to have a lot of time on your hands to get, yeah. to get good at that game or started at a very early age. Right. But, um, so yeah, I, I started, uh, in 1998, um, I actually started within the big box environment. Okay. I started in 1998 working for, uh, May company department stores. Um, I started out as a loss prevention agent. Um, I moved up to uh, uh, loss prevention manager. And I'll tell you what, those were the funnest times. You know, everything was so simple back then. You know, someone's stealing and they run out the door, your team apprehends them and, and, um, and books them, right? And then, or if an employee's stealing, the LP manager's job is to, to, to do the investigation and do the interview, you know? And that was a lot of fun. Um, and then from there, I started working for a company called LP Innovations. I think most people know who LP Innovations is. Um, and I had a pretty unique job there. I was the, uh, the uh, audit supervisor for the Western US. So I think a lot of people know that uh, LP Innovations 
uh, kind of did everything, right? They did the investigations, they did awareness programs. Um, well, they also did audits. Um, and uh, I was really glad to have that experience because it gave me a different eye on the LP business. Because in LP, I think most of us kind of look at the audit side of it, or at least for me, I mean, in my generation of LP, um, as the not so sexy side of LP, you know, uh, if I can say that. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, that's audits. Um, you're in That's there. like after all the things that you're implementing, the audit is like to make sure that it's working. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, everyone wants to do the investigations, right? Yeah, that's and, the sexy side. Yeah, yeah. If you're good at doing an interview and you can close an investigation, that's the fun part. You know, that's the part that you talk about when you're at a party. <laughs> yeah. You know, when people ask you what you do, you know. Um, that goes back to being the coolest kid on the block. Yeah, there you Which go. ULP people like that. You like it. Don't, <laughs> don't deny it. Don't I will, in, I will interrogate you and get uh, you to admit. Yep, yep. We were all at one point a 23 year old kid, you know, getting into this job, and we didn't do it to complete checklists. We did it because we thought it was cool. Yeah. Cops and robber stuff. Yeah. I'm gonna say what everyone else is thinking. Yeah. Um, Enter the audit <laughs> checklist. <laughs> but, you know, working at LP Innovations and, and, and taking over audit operations for the West Coast, for the Western U.S., um, I realized how important these were, you know, and, and that kind of really gave me um, insight because I had to work with a lot of, of client executives, you know, a lot of uh, heads of operations, heads of stores, uh, in some cases, uh, heads of HR, um, and uh, once in a while, the CEO to talk about our audit findings. And um, I really got to, I was really able to obtain some insight as to how people at that level think, you know? It, sure, they love to hear the stories about the investigations. To them, that's the cool stuff, but they wanna know how their stores look. They wanna, store, they wanna know how the stores are performing. You know, at the end of the day, when you look at a Z out report, you know, when, when a store closes a register, sure, it'll tell you how much you made, okay? But when you look at some of the things that you discover during audit, it could tell you how much you might be losing, okay? It can also tell you, could we have made more if service was a little bit better? Or if our store was a little bit cleaner? If signage was a little bit more crisp, you know? I mean, this is those little things that you pick up on an audit. You see how these senior executives would, would, would really find, you know, be interested in that stuff. I mean, it, it, it taught me that that was important and, and uh, it's actually a, a cornerstone of, of uh, my program today. So, yeah, I think that's really cool too, because I mean, um, so kind of the next step, like from my audience perspective, um, if I was them, I'd be thinking, okay, that's cool. I don't really wanna go work for like, a outs like an outsourcer right now. Mm -hmm how do I get what Mike just said internally? Right. So how do you, how, do you have any suggestions of like, because I know you're tight with your leadership team there, right. They count you as a member of that C-suite table. Right. Um, so how do you get there? Right. How do you get into it? And I think what you're saying, your background helped you do that. Like you were thinking yes. how the leadership thinks, not just like, I had this many confessions and this, this much, you know, in uh, restitution, right. But it's a broader perspective. What advice would you have for the audience to kind of 
get that same perspective. You know, if they're like loving their current job, but maybe they're not getting the tap on the shoulder like you did and took the initiative for from that leadership team. Well, first thing is, um, and this goes into going through my career too, and it'll answer that question. Um, out of LP Innovations, um, I was uh, hired at the Vitamin Shop as a uh, regional uh, loss prevention manager for the West Coast, for the Western U.S. Um, by Gary Johnson. And uh, Gary, I, you know, I, I know that uh, the audit supervisor piece in my resume is really what um, made me stand out amongst the candidates. Um, and my probably my best project over there um, was creating the audit program. You know, he knew that that's what I did for a few years before I came to him. He tapped me on the shoulder to, to, uh, to create the audit program. And that was an understanding from the beginning, from when he started interviewing me, you know, for the job. Um, it was that I was going to be heavily involved in creating an audit program because he saw that that's what we needed. And from Gary, what I was able to get was that <clears throat> executive level insight as to why it's important for the C-suite to see these things. At LP Innovations, I, I dealt you know, directly with some of these executives at these client companies, but at Vitamin Shop, I was able to really get from him, like if he were to build an audit program, this is what he'd wanna see. Um, and this is what he feels important that he needs to communicate to his bosses, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's what I, you know, that's what I did over there. And um, it was a really cool program. Actually, the, the audit program it was groundbreaking where a lot of companies, I don't remember the names of them, but, <clears throat> you know, they would charge $50,000 for a, an automated audit program. Uh, what we were able to do at, at, uh, at uh, Vitamin Shop was um, I was given access to the IT department and we were together able to create an online audit program so that the DMs and the regionals and the LP team could go on their computers, hit radio buttons to answer questions, fill out comments. Once we hit send or completed for the audit, uh, it would populate a database. And from there, we could organize the information and hand it to our CEO, Tom Tolworthy, um, so that he could, you know, use the information in a meaningful, meaningful way for him. Uh, and also that information would go to our COO. Um, I think some of it went to the HR VP. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really cool project. And again, it was taking something that most younger or newer, I should say, LP executives or LP practitioners look at as something that's boring and turning it into something really cool that really affected the whole organization. Yeah. You know? Uh, set us up for, for more success. Uh, so my advice to anyone who, who wants to get kind of that to that upper level and to, to get a seat at the table is to see every aspect of your career, everything you approach, everything you see, and learn from it. Embrace all of it. You know, like I said, before I started doing the audit stuff, I thought that stuff was boring. I could care less about audits, you know? But after that, I saw how important it was 
it got me to think at a higher level. Um, so that's my advice. Embrace everything that comes your way as a learning experience. And don't yeah. be afraid to ask questions and learn from those who work above you and even those who, the work, those who work beside you um, and those who work beneath you. And to that end, you know, uh, to that point, one of my best mentors, I have to mention his name, um, Greg Bosserman. Okay, we were actually um, colleagues, peers uh, at the vitamin shop. He had the East coast. I had the West coast, but Greg had been in the business for gosh, a decade or two more than I have. So learning from him was probably the most beneficial learning experience in my career. You know, he taught me how to be a regional. He really did. Well, it's interesting what you're saying, because if you're, if you're listening out there and you're really only focused on the things that you like, right? Like, oh, I'm going to just do the sexy stuff. And, you know, but, but your aspirations are to move up the chain. I think what, you know, kind of what we're hearing from you is you got to dive into all of it, right? And get, get your expertise sharpened up on what your leadership is looking at. And if you still think that they're looking at your restitution number or your case close number, that might be a part of it, but it's certainly not the leadership's focus as a whole. I mean, would you agree with that assessment? Absolutely. Yeah. You want to be brought in your approach. You know, everything is important. Nothing is, is more important the other than the other. But at the same time, I think, and, and this is something we all need to, to really look at, right? Especially now with the amount of, of um, theft and organized retail crime that are hitting our stores, you know, throughout retail, um, we can't lose sight of the fact that we're the only, our departments are the only ones standing on the wall, okay? You standing want me on that wall. Yeah, you right? need me on that wall. <laughs> That's exactly where I got it from. But, you <laughs> but know, it's a we, great analogy. It's so yeah, true. We're the only ones that are standing on that wall, you know? And, and you know, we can't lose side of that you know yes we have to be proactive partners in the operations space you know we've, we've got to be you know we've got to be heavily involved in the inventory process and and uh, you know and, and we got to do everything that that we've all learned to do and, and have done for the last you know couple of uh, decades in this business but uh, being evolved day, like evolving yeah, we've evolved we have yeah we can't lose sight of if there's an investigation to do, we're the only department that is equipped and able to do it. Yeah, no matter what, digital, no matter what. physical, yeah. uh -huh. whatever. You can come up with the fanciest program. You can come up with, with you know, you know all the all the good stuff, the the the, the best and sharpest audit program, and and um, but if if you can't handle the investigations, you know then you've already failed your business. If your team can't handle the investigations, then you've already kind of failed your business. That's my opinion, at least. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> We're on fire with this. If you don't know this movie reference, come on. That's awesome. I hope Jim Lapsovic with Luxottica is uh, listening to this. Uh, if he's we'll not, I'm going to make sure to- uh, We're going to tag everybody you've uh, mentioned. <laughs> and then also leave it in the show notes for those that can tell, can be on top of it to tell us what, 
what movie we're quoting because it's incredible. Um, and you know, and learning learning from your peers. I know I mentioned Greg Bosterman, but there, yeah. there are a lot of, you know, my longest tenure, at least until March. In March, I would have been here for seven years. I was with the Wet Seal for seven years. Um, and there I was able to really kind of exercise everything I'd learned previously with that department. And I was one, it was cool. It was like uh, Arthur in the, in the round table. You know, we had uh, Howard, uh, Howard Stone, um, you know, he was our, our director. And then uh, I'm gonna make some shout outs there. Um, and these guys are still friends of mine. I talk to them regularly, you know, cause we just can't forget that, that bond we had together. But yeah, Jimmy Pappas, um, you know, uh, um, Murray Shamble, um, you know, Damon Windham, um, Jim Lapsovic, like I mentioned, Bill Tessier, some great people to work with, you know, and, and we had just the, the most fun. Uh, and it wasn't working on investigations that was most the most fun. It was creating the program together. That was the best part. Yeah. And yeah. then watching it succeed, I'm sure. Yeah. And I got to learn from every single one of them. Yeah. You know? And like I said, you know, sometimes it's not just about learning from your boss. It's about learning from your peers, you know, and I took a little bit away from evil, every single one of them. And I, I certainly wasn't the newest kid on the block. You know, I wasn't the one with the least amount of experience on the team, but again, I think that's what may have made, I don't want to say makes me unique. That sounds terrible, but I think that's something I was able to recognize is, is, is there's value in learning from those who work next to you. Um, in fact, I, I, I said this to, to Jimmy Pappas uh, not too long ago, uh, Murray Shamble, and I'm going to pump up his ego here. He is probably one of the, if not the best um, investigators I've ever met. This guy, he just, that's, it's just in his blood. He's just really, he's a great LP um, professional all around, you know, but from an investigation standpoint, he, he's, yeah, the guy's top notch. Well, you're going to have to pick who you're going to have on so you can guest co-host with me and then we'll get whoever you pick on as the guest. So oh, man, can we look out for that. For, for that team, we're all, we, we're all one. You got to have all of us. <laughs> we're going to have like, like a child of Brady Bunch people on here and you're, we're like co-hosting. <laughs> but now, the, all right, so wrapping it up, I have to ask you this. Um, best career advice you've ever received? Best career advice I've ever received. Take the offense on your career. Oh, nice. Which is a really articulates what you've done with the whole cyber thing and probably a million other examples. Okay. I'm not going to, I don't need, he doesn't need any more ego pumping, but I got that from Howard Stone. Howard Stone. We need to get his, get him on the podcast here. Yeah, I if got that from, from, from him. Um, yeah, it was take the offense on your career. Okay, you probably don't want to quote and give a name, but the worst career advice you ever received. Um, make sure you're on top of the hill because what word can I use? Excrement rolls downhill. <laughs> That's the worst advice. That's the worst I've ever heard. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Excrement. And I, I replaced 
the word I really wanted to use, or I was I should use with that word because I didn't want to say the S word. Yeah, I appreciate that. Saves us some bleeps, but joking, we don't bleep here. But that's really interesting. So why is it the worst? Why is it the worst advice? Because you got to be in it with your team. You know what? Yeah, that that's that's not necessarily it. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. part of it, but I think that's a terrible way to look at things. Yeah. You know, it's like that's this came from a a senior person in, in in the LP, you know, field, and I was a very young LP professional, and uh, it just, I I think you know back then I'm just glad I was smart enough not to listen to that advice. Yeah. Because you know? shouldn't you be like like mid hill, like stopping the ball coming? Yeah. You know, I mean, you're like figuring out the counter measures. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, and I think that's just, you know. And it, it's not so much the advice itself, but it's kind of like at the level I was at and the level I was hearing it from, it's like, really? Uh, you right? You know, your interactions yeah. with people like that, especially when you're you're new and you're newer in your career, you know, a young executive, um, it, it's it's very uh limited. And to hear that, it's like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. You know, let, let's, yeah, yeah. Well, Mike Mata, we really appreciate you stepping into the Talk LP hot seat. We know we're going to have you back guest co-hosting with me. So watch out for that audience. We really appreciate it uh, having you step into the hot seat here. No problem. I had a great time, Amber. Thank you so much. All right. Remember to chat us up at, at Let's Talk LP on Twitter. Also download the Talk LP news app because if you haven't done that, you're missing out on loss prevention, breaking news headlines right into the palm of your hand. Right, Mike? It's crazy. Absolutely. Talk LP News app. It's the hottest thing on the market. We think so. Anyway, don't we, Mike? Stay, stay connected. <laughs> our, we're only as strong as our network. That's right. That's right. And there's a gigs tab on there. Jobs. We also have exclusive content from Adrian Beck, as well as some other white paper research. It's the best app out there. I think so, anyway. Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll talk at you next time. See ya. Cause, cause, cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.